Todd Gurley signs with the Falcons, Melvin Gordon signs with the Broncos, and Eric Ebron signs with the Steelers. This is the Fantasy Football Briefing. The Fantasy Football Briefing is a daily football podcast delivering you news, opinions, and analysis from a fantasy football perspective. I'm John Maselli. My co-host is Jason Spencer. Jason, how you doing today? I'm doing good, John. I'm doing good. Today was definitely a good day. All the, the running backs finally got scooped up. Mm-hmm. Good day Good day for us. Bad day for the running backs, I would say. <laughs> that's a fair point. I think that's really good. Yeah, I have to say, the whole thing with Melvin Gordon, he held out. I mean, this is the second time in two years we've seen running backs hold out and get less money. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they should find a new slant. <laughs> yeah, maybe sign, yeah. re-sign with your team. Yeah, that especially the when they offer way. a lot of money. But right. I understand what they're trying to do. It's just that the market's not there. So Yeah, and, and I think rightfully so. But that's that's a discussion for another time. Um, let's let's dive in because we've got a lot to talk about. Let's, let's think about this first one. Todd Gurley signs with the Falcons. It was a one-year deal. Um, what do you think? Well, we talked about it yesterday, and it feels like it definitely didn't take too long for him to find his home. So... Good for him, I guess. I saw somewhere he's still the third highest paid running back because he's collecting money from the Rams. So good for him. Um, As far as fantasy football goes, I think he's a player I would still avoid because just because he has a change of scenery doesn't mean he doesn't have better. He comes with the same issues, the injury issues. Uh, One thing I will say is I was quietly hoping that the Falcons wouldn't sign a running back because then it would finally be Edo Smith's year. I've been a bit of an Edo Smith truther for some time now. I will say last year did not help that because <laughs> he, had, he had his opportunity and did nothing with it. Right. So um, Todd Gurley, I think, you know, he, he'll have good weeks, but he's not someone – He the old Todd Gurley is gone, and until he shows me that he has a, a reborn youth, um, I'm not going to – put too much hype into him as a player anymore so he's got to go to st augustine and drink from the fountain of youth and then you'll buy in well he's a bit closer to st augustine now <laughs> that's, isn't that's he? true um yeah so I, I did a bit of digging um the falcons backfield actually put up 330 points last year and that is not sort of any indication that todd Gurley is going to put up that kind of number i think the things that will so my point in initially stating that is i think atlanta's backfield has the potential to be a solid backfield to target in fantasy. I think the problem is, and it's going to remain to be, that there's too many mounts to feed. They switch up the running backs. Um, you have you still have injury issues, which you had before. And I don't know that uh, Todd Gurley is going to provide the sort of um, receiving capability that they had previously with Devontae Freeman, uh, which is which really has was what propelled him to be such a good fantasy option. And that's not to say that Todd Gurley doesn't have the ability to be that, because I think he certainly does. I just don't know that they're going to use him in that way, because like you said, I think they're going to be concerned that he's going to get injured if they use him to the extent that he could have that he could be used or that he has been used uh, previously. And so I think that will hinder his opportunities from being a top flight running back, though I do think he'll be, um, you know, as good as he was last year, maybe a little bit worse. I, I don't really see much change in his fantasy value um, going from L.A. to Atlanta. So, Yeah, I don't agree with you that it's a backfield to target necessarily. I definitely think it's a backfield to avoid. Um, it's Todd Gurley's the only player I would feel comfortable even rostering from that backfield, and he's not one I would feel comfortable. So I, I think what I meant, though, let me clarify that, is that it has the potential to be yeah. a good backfield if if the the fit was right, if they had a player who was good enough to um, take a large portion of the of the share of carries and touches. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not the move that enables it to be a backfield that you target in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I just meant overall the fan the they are a productive fantasy backfield, but not one that I think is 
good to target now. Yeah, and you have sense. you have to assume Todd Gurley going to that team will only help their backfield productivity. So yeah, that's true. That's true. So all right, I think that's where we're at at Todd Gurley. I'm pretty indifferent. I think he's going to be just as good, um, maybe a little bit worse. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't see much change in his fantasy fantasy value. Um, and we wait to see where Devontae Freeman's going to go. So. Yeah, if anywhere, I yeah. I wouldn't be if surprised. anywhere to be a starter. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he'll yeah. go somewhere, but I don't know if he's going to. I mean, especially now with running backs being yeah. signed, I don't know. Yeah. But um, let's move on to our second big signing of the day. Um, Melvin Gordon signed with the Denver Broncos. What do you think? It was a hugely disappointing move for me. <laughs> yeah. I really I really wanted him to go somewhere where I could love him in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And he went to one of the places where I can't love him at all. Right. Um, it's It was already a crowded backfield, and now you add him. Royce Freeman, I think... Unless he gets traded, which I think they should be trying to do, mm-hmm. um, he's going to get some usage. They drafted him early. He played well last year. And then Philip Lindsay, I mean, he catches the ball well. He's, he's a good back out of the he's backfield. He's got great speed. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's the, he's not hitting the bench either. He's, no. he's earned it. I mean, he was in the Pro Bowl two years ago. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon, I mean, he'll have a role. He'll score touchdowns, but mm-hmm. it's like I don't – it's not a good spot for him at all. No, I agree with you. I think um, w- one of the issues I had with him last year, and, and I actually had somebody in my league, in one of my leagues, that had Eckler and Gordon. And I said, the issue with that is once they both are back, yeah. you have to split carries. Now, Eckler wound up being pretty dang good yeah. regardless. But I think the problem with Melvin is he went from a situation where he was splitting the backfield and he's going to do the same exact thing. I don't see how it's much different. Um, I, I, I looked back last year, so they had 22 rushing attempts per game. It was something like 14 for Philip Lindsay and eight for, um, Royce Freeman. And I just, I mean, even if he was to take the 14, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not enough. It's 14. It's yeah. not enough it's, to be yeah. a top flight fantasy running back. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm not even sure he's going to get that many. I don't know why they would, I don't know why they would, uh, relegate Philip Lindsay to that yeah. spot. He's a very talented back. It didn't make sense to me from them, but I mean, I guess it was good money. They only have him for I think 8 million a year, but mm. Yeah, I think I think the thing with him is too. So the one other thing I thought about was they have Pat Shermer as their offensive coordinator. So I went back and, you know, prior to Saquon, which that was an obvious pick for him, he drafted Trent Richardson and he was on the staff that drafted Dalvin Cook. And so to me, I think you have that similar like down downhill runner big-bodied runner that can run between the tackles, and I think Melvin Gordon is similar to that mold. However, I just... And so it makes sense to me as to, like, a player that would make sense in that offense that he would want to target, someone that can run between the tackles, um, downhill runner, strong, powerful running back, but I don't know that that means that he's a valuable fantasy running back. I just think it means that he fits in the system, and so it makes sense to me, but I don't think that translates to him being a very productive fantasy running back. And I think we'll probably see him wind up being right around again where he was last season. I, you know, I don't, I don't love it. I mean, he's not in a, it's not like it's a great offense. Yeah. Broncos, they cut, cut Joe Flacco. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them, but I will say that I'm sure whoever it is, it's going to be a young quarterback and they're going to lean on the running game, but they're leaning on a running game with three running backs. Yeah. And the quarterback we would assume it's going to be is Drew Locke. And he also runs the football. And uh, other guys that we've heard about were like Cam Newton and maybe somebody later on in the draft, but none of those are good enough to um, truly complement the running game, I, I think, or, or complement it any better than 
um, a guy like Philip Rivers would have done with with Melvin Gordon and that running game in in LA last year. So yeah, I think that's a that's problematic. Um, and then the last one was Eric Ebron signed with the Steelers. Um, it was I think the Steelers' first or second signing. I think they signed Wisniewski before that. But um, yeah, it, you know it's the Steelers are a weird team to think about because you have such a different offense than what you had last year. We can't really go back and look at last year and assume or take anything from it because they didn't have a quarterback playing. It was horrendous. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was bad. It, and, uh, and so what do you think? What do you think about Eric Ebron's fit with a Ben Roethlisberger led Steelers? Do you think he's a viable fantasy option? Uh, not really. No, I think, um, he benefited a lot from the system he was in. We saw Eric Ebron in Detroit. Wasn't a great, tight end he went there had a really good game with a lot of touchdown luck which I think kind of went away last year and that's why he wasn't what he was two years ago and I think that I don't see that changing um in in Pittsburgh yeah and I think on top of just Eric Ebron's abilities um Ben Roethlisberger has never shown me capable of producing a tight end who is valuable for fantasy and so I took a look back at the stats Uh, In 2019, obviously, nobody was good at at tight end for the Steelers. In 2018, was a similar problem. In 2017, the leading tight end was uh, Jesse James with 370 yards. In 2016, he had 330 yards. In 2015, Heath Miller had 500 yards. In 2014, he had 700 yards. In 2013, he had 593. And then back the last time where I think there would have been a fantasy-relevant tight end in Pittsburgh was 2012, where Heath Miller put up a little over 100, 800 receiving yards, and I actually looked, that was the only time since Ben became the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh that a, that a tight end had put up over 800 yards yeah. receiving. So, you know, I mean, I just don't know that the opportunity is going to be there. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be. I think he's a good add for the Steelers in terms of giving them another weapon in the passing game. But I don't think that that means he's going to be a fantasy relevant tight end. I don't think he's going to put up enough stats to be able to um, be rosterable in fantasy leagues this year. And, you know, there's a lot of up and coming tight ends that I think are pretty good options. Uh, Even in dynasty leagues too, there's really a lot of options this year, but I don't think Eric Ebron's probably one of them. Now on the flip side of that, there is one that may be, and that would be Jack Doyle. And that's, that's the other thing that's going to result from this is like, he's going to be the primary tight end in Indianapolis with Philip Rivers. Yeah. He's going to be the guy there. And I went back and looked last year, splitting targets with Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle finished 12th in the league in targets, Mm. which isn't horrible. And that's on a Colts team that was six in the league in tight end targets. Mm. So I think that'll continue. I think you have a head coach there in Frank Reich who has a history with tight ends. I mean, he, he worked with Zach Ertz um, in the Super Bowl winning season and then went on and produced really good things out of the tight end group in Indianapolis. And I think mm-hmm. now that it is just Jack Doyle with a quarterback who, you know, I mean, a lot gets made about Philip Rivers loving to throw to tight ends. And I think um, if you look at Antonio Gates' career, it's true. He's going to lean on um, Jack Doyle and the guys, guys he's got there. So I, I think Jack Doyle has a really good chance. I think he's going to be someone who maybe is underdrafted. I think a lot of tight ends are going to go before him. And I think he has a really good chance of finishing – um, a tight end one, but like maybe even a strong tight end one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good take. You know, because like I said a minute ago, there are a lot of good options at tight end this year, and and I think you might be right about him getting underdrafted, especially because um, I think maybe people will be wary of taking a Indianapolis tight end because they haven't been yeah. great, or they weren't great last yeah. year after being great two years ago. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think he, I think he makes for a really interesting option for a lot of the reasons you said. And I really do like the whole Philip Rivers to the tight end connection, especially because Indy really has one serious receiving threat and then a bunch of other guys who are not really. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I genuinely think Jack Doyle could finish second on that team in receptions yeah. and, and targets. I, I don't think that's hard to believe at all. So, and I think if he does that, any tight end who finishes tech, second in receptions on their team is going to be fantasy relevant, especially at a position that was really thin last year. And like you said, I mean, it, it looks a little better this year, but... Yeah, I 100% agree. I think I'll also stick by my Naheem Hines take, who I think is going to be a good fantasy yeah, player, but we'll look that at that one. later. Yeah. Um, but that, that again, is for uh, another day. That, that discussion's for another day. Um, one more bit of news for today is that the XFL season is canceled. So for any fantasy football players that were playing XFL fantasy football, which I hope you were because that just shows your commitment to fantasy football, unfortunately that fantasy season is over. And so we'll move on to the next and we'll see if PJ Walker gets signed by an NFL team because they are now, um, I believe it's either, I think it's on the 23rd they're able to sign with. Yeah, um, March March 23rd. March 23rd yeah. they're able to sign with. So them. soon, I mean that's in a few days. Yeah. So they'll be able to sign, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Short-lived for the XFL. I'm not yeah. sure we're going to see a second XFL season. But we can only hope so because more football. more yeah, football. Yeah, why not? Right? So. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of the Fantasy Football Briefing. Thanks so much for listening.